0: Morning, Door Creek. Amen. Amen. I'm Reverend David Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Door Creek. Um, hired to lead the North Madison launch and uh, excited about that. And it's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clapping is contagious. So, so, you know, during the sermon, if, if one person starts, everybody will join in, right? If you get a little amen, maybe others say amen too, all right? So, amen. It's, it's good to be here this morning and um, welcome you here. Um, as the announcements, it's good to serve. It's good to serve Jesus. It's good to, to serve others. We serve Jesus by serving others. So, uh, please get involved in, in any way that God has gifted you and has enabled you to um, give back because uh, we serve a mighty God and we want to serve him in all that we do. All right, continuing our, our message series uh, storyline. I think I started it, and I think I'm ending it. Look at that. Put me on the front and the back. All right. So um, who is Jesus is, is, is the storyline and is the, the series that we have been um, tackling for the last uh, several weeks. And we have gone through uh, Jesus, the word of God, Jesus, the son of God, Jesus, the power of God, And today I get to share with you, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. And that is an exciting topic because we get to see or or go through movements of how the Lamb of God delivered us from an eternal damnation that we so deserved, but we do not have to receive it. And so we're going to look at the Lamb of God and how he laid down his life. And in the book of John, John uses uh, the Lamb of God in his writing to show us that the Lamb is precious, the Lamb is, is meek. When you think of a lamb, you think of a meek animal, think of an innocent animal. And in the Old Testament, when they uh, brought the lambs and the oxes and all of those um, different animals that they offered as sacrifice to the altar, the animals had to be, the, it had to be no blemish, it had to be no defects. And so we're going to look at Jesus as that precious lamb that comes with no blemish and no defect. And we're going to look at that in John uh, 121 and also first Peter uh, chapter one, verse 19. And we're going to see the description as both John and Peter describe the lamb. So let us look at John St. John. John is the author, the beloved disciple of Jesus. One of his disciples that were in the inner circle, the one that Jesus um, put the care of his mother in the hands of. John is a a terrific writer because of what he witnessed. John, who lived very long, um, one of the longest living disciples. So he has the authority to write this. John 1, verse 29, says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 19, says, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, a lamb without blemish or defect, a perfect Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, we understand that John didn't mean that there is no longer sin in the world. That sin was eradicated. That there would never be sin again. The Lamb of God is coming to erase it, to take it out What he means is that the eternal sting, the eternal damnation of sin is taken away because of the Lamb of God. Because the Lamb of God laid down his life. The Lamb of God was the substitutionary sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternal damnation. The Lamb of God gave everything up that he had so that we could be free from sin not free from sinning but free from the eternal damnation of sin and that's what the lamb of God did and so we look at this lamb this precious lamb who poured his blood out, who laid down his life, who gave his life so unselfishly, who loved us so unconditionally that even a wretch like me, a wretch like you, a wretch like all of us could come to him in true repentance and he would wash our sins away. Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't deserve this great grace and mercy that the Lamb of God has extended to me. But I'll take it. I'll accept it. But I'm careful not to abuse it. I'm careful not to say, well, since the grace of God exists and the mercy of God, I have a license to go and sin and do everything I want to do. Because when I'm done having fun, I can crawl back to his feet and he'll forgive me. That's not what grace and mercy is about. Grace and mercy is there because God knows we're not perfect. God knows we'll make mistakes. God knows we'll say something, but we'll do something else. Jesus knows that we'll, we'll, we'll get over something, but then we'll get right back under it. But grace and mercy is there to strengthen us and to help us to overcome it. And to be what Christ wants us to be. So the Lamb of God brought this to us. Hallelujah. He gave his life and his all for us without blemish or defect. He purchased us with his blood. So when somebody says, who died and left you, boss? You say, Jesus did. (laughs) Amen. But he got up again. You can't forget that part. Can't forget he got up because that completes the story. He got up. So the Lamb of God, who's perfect, and as John says, Look, John says, Look, I want you to see the Lamb. Remember, John the Baptist, this is now talking, look, the Lamb of God, he, because he didn't want the attention to be on himself. He wanted to make sure that as he was baptizing Jesus, and as the dove descended on Jesus, and, and God's the word, the Holy Spirit, said, this is my beloved son, and who I'm well pleased. He wanted to make sure that the attention was on the one who was going to bring us through, the one that was going to give us the true victory, because we are nothing. John, John says, I'm nothing. I'm just the announcer. I'm announcing of the great one who's coming to take away the sin so don't look at me just hear what I'm saying but don't look to me he is the one the lamb of God the lamb of God the precious lamb of God John carefully extracted himself from the picture so that we could see Jesus. And Jesus goes on in, in, in the ministry as he, he as Revelation uh, calls him the triumphant lamb. And Isaiah refers to him as a sheep for, going before shears or lamb for the slaughter. But he didn't open his mouth. He opened not his mouth. Meaning the humility that Jesus had. And he humbled himself to the death of the cross. He humbled himself. When he, if anyone could say anything, he is the one that could say something. But he opened not his mouth. I wish I could live that way. I wish I, in every uh, confrontation that I was in, every uh, argument or whatever it was that I was in, I wish I could be the one that says, I opened not my mouth. I didn't say a word, but I'm the one I like to have the last word. Uh, anybody else like that? Uh, you just like to have it because you feel you won when you had the last word. But little did they know, Jesus didn't say anything as he was being taken off and going before the, the slaughter and everything, but he would have the last word. He would have the last word. And so he humbled himself. And we must learn to humble ourselves so that we can be what the Lamb of God wants us to be. He went. He gave his all. The movement takes us to the day that the Lamb of God was betrayed. Judas, one of the 12, but never really, not really, never was a follower of Jesus. He physically followed Jesus because he had ulterior motive. He physically went where Jesus went because it had to be the right time for him to turn Jesus over. So he followed Jesus physically, but... In his heart, he was far from Jesus. Thinking that he's pulling one off on Jesus, Jesus knows every move, every thought, everything that's going on. Judas thinks he's using Jesus, but Jesus said, really, Judas, I'm using you. He said, because if you don't betray me, then, you know, I can't be arrested and go on and be crucified. So really, Judas, you're just playing the part that I have assigned for you. Now, you made up your mind that you wanted to be crooked and you wanted to 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 hand me over for a few pieces of silver. He says, but this is all working in my plan. See, not everything bad is going to always work out bad for you. Romans talks about all things work together for the good. Right. Of them that love the Lord. Not everything that works out. Not everything that happens is good. But the Lord says it will work out for the good. Maybe you lose your job, and that's not a good thing, but maybe there's something else waiting for you. Maybe you have to relocate somewhere. It may not be a good thing because you have your roots and you're, you're settled here and everything, but you go somewhere else and God opens up all kinds of doors. It didn't, it, what happened wasn't good, but it worked out for the good. Judas wasn't good, but it worked out for the good because here we are now in church worshiping the Lord at Door Creek Church. Lifting Jesus up, worshiping the Lamb of God who gave his life, who laid down his life and took it back again. Worshiping the Lamb of God who gives us peace that that surpasses all understanding. The Lamb of God who gives us joy unspeakable, full of glory. The Lamb of God who gives us strength, who gives us love unconditionally. The Lamb of God who washes away our sins. The Lamb of God who sits high and looks low, the Lamb of God who is so in love with us that he would give his only begotten son, his begotten son, his unique son, so that we would have a right to eternal life. The Lamb of God who saw little old me struggling to live, struggling to be somebody. (laughs) Looked way deep in a dark corner somewhere and said, I see you, David. And brought me out. And here I am today, clothed in my right mind, a follower of Jesus who loves worshiping the Lamb of God. Look at that. Thank you, Judas. Thank you for doing your job right. Then, after Judas did his job, kissed the Lord and said, this is the one, the one that I kissed, arrest him. Jesus was arrested and carried away. The Lamb of God was arrested and carried away to be crucified. And Mr. Peter, the spokesman, Mr. Peter, the one that says, I'll go with you everywhere. I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus had to rebuke him. Judas, the one, I mean, Peter, the one that says that I love you. Jesus told him before the cock crows, you would deny me three times. I will never do that. Famous last words. Lord, I'd never do that. Lord, I stand up never say what you will never do until you're in that situation. Peter. What Peter did is as Jesus was arrested and was carried off, Peter stuck with Jesus, but he stuck with Jesus from a distance. He kept his eyes on Jesus. He saw everything that was happening to Jesus, but he didn't want to be identified with Jesus. Oh, I believe there's some followers of Jesus today that want to follow Jesus, but they follow Jesus from a distance. Keep your eyes just enough on Jesus so you can see where he's going, what he's doing. But please don't point me out as being one of them. Yes, I go to church, but when I see you in the social settings, don't point me out. I like to be incognito. I like to go to church, mind my own business. Don't do it. You know, my religion is my business. Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, but he followed him at a distance. When they said, you are one of his followers, no, I'm not. He's warming by the fire. Why does Peter need to warm himself? His Savior, the Lord, the Lamb of God is being carried off, and here he is warming by the fire. The girl says, aren't you one of them? I saw you. No, I'm not. A little further. You are one of them. I saw you with him. He starts cussing him. I'm not. I've had it up to here. All these people trying to identify me as one of them. I'm not. They just look like me. Mistaken identity. And he heard the cock crow. And Jesus turned and looked at him like, I told you, Peter. If you would have prayed instead of slept, maybe this wouldn't have happened. But Peter played the part. Peter played the part. Well, Jesus goes now. He's in the hands of Pilate, and by the Jewish custom and the the law, they said, we have to release someone. Should we release Jesus or Barabbas? Barabbas, Jesus, crucify him, crucify the Lamb of God. Now, remember, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt or donkey that had never been sat on, never been road, never had been written on. Jesus wrote in on it and some of those same people were laying palms saying Hosanna, Hosanna but their song changed when they were before their peers and they started they changed Hosanna to crucify him hmm isn't that interesting how our language can go from a Sunday to a Tuesday and it can be so different <laughs> Don't get quiet on me now. I talk Hosanna on Sunday, but on Tuesday, crucify him. So adamant. Crucify him. But Hosanna. Jesus took it all, but he opened not his mouth. The Lamb of God took it all, but he humbled himself. Into the depth of the cross. And now, Pilate, and I find no cause to kill this man. Let the blood be on your hands. And all of that, no blemish, no defect. Pilate could not find a defect or a blemish. On Jesus, could not find any sin, any guile in his mouth, could not find any cause. The only thing Jesus was guilty of was preaching the gospel, working miracles, opening up blind eyes, giving the lame to walk, giving the dumb to talk, healing the lepers, healing a woman with the issue of blood, healing and saving a woman at the well. Healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. Take up your mat and walk. Healing the, blind, the man born blind. He was guilty of doing the Father's work. So if you're going to put me down, if you're going to talk about me, if you're going to criticize me, criticize me for doing the right thing that's going to lift and glorify the Lamb of God. Because I know if I am doing his will, when it comes for me to stand, he will stand with me and I won't stand alone. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down with him, not by myself, not with my friends, because my friends will take the raft, the, the life-saving wrath, and they will help themselves and leave poor little David, who can't swim, to fend for himself. But the Lamb of God, who throws a life preserver, who throws a, 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 a lifeline and says, come on, you don't have to swim, I'll carry you. You don't have to die. I die for you. You don't have to experience hell. I defeated it for you. Hallelujah. You don't have to experience this. I conquered it on Calvary. You don't have to go to hell. I close it up. You don't have to go there. I delivered you from it. The Lamb of God. There he lay, hang, there he hang on the cross. And they're mocking him, they're scorning him. They spit on him, they slapped him, put a crown of thorns on his head, pierced him in his side. They went to break his bones, but it was was already too late. They broke the bone of the, the two malefactors that were on each side of him. And as Jesus hung there, Told him I thirst. I gave him a, 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 a bomb with uh, vinegar, and, and and after he had taken it, he cried out with a loud voice, "It is finished. <laughs> it is finished. What's finished? Is this the end of Jesus?" Is this the end of our lamb of God? It is finished. Is he saying I give up? I surrender? Uncle, is he is, what, what's happening here? It is finished. What he is saying that oh, you started something, Satan, that I'm about to finish. He said You think you got me. You think you took something from me, but you're only making me more powerful. If you only knew how powerful the Lamb of God would be, you would have erased all your plans and you wouldn't have done what you did. But now you have empowered me. You have given me strength. You have given me so much now that by crucifying me, you have only made me better, not bitter. It's finished. They come to break his bones, and they see that he's already dead. Now, it was prophesied that there would not be a bone broken. Prophecy was right. They came to do it, but it was too late. He was already dead. He was already asleep. So, instead they pierced him in his side. Said out came blood and water. Blood and water. Why blood and water? The blood that washes The water which represents cleansing, spirit. Blood and water. They say blood is thicker than water, right? Blood is thicker than water. So the blood and water that came gushing out of Jesus' side, it lets me know that he'll, he'll be with me through the thick and through the thin. The blood which is thicker than the water that's thinner. So he'll be with me both ways. So no matter what I go through, he's going to be with me. The Lamb of God will not disappear on me. He will not desert me. He will not abandon me. In my hardest time, he will be ever present. Even though you might not feel it, but he's there. Your faith should let you know that he is there. The Lamb of God who now has the sin of the world on him, and his father now has turned on, not him, but turned on the sin that was on him. And now the darkest hour the earth has ever seen because the sin, our sin, man's sin, Adam's sin, everybody's sin was on Jesus. He became what we could not be, what we could not give. When God says no more sacrifice, when God told him, he said, your sacrifices stink to me. They're, they're no good. Don't bring me any more goats and lambs and rams and oxen. Don't bring me any more, he says, because every year when you bring these uh, for the atoning grace when you bring these he said you go back and you do the same thing you build image gods, you build idol gods and you turn your back on me and he said don't bring me any more sacrifice because you don't mean it you're only going through the rituals you're only just doing it because this is what you're supposed to do don't make church something that you're supposed to do and that's why you do it I go because that's what I'm supposed to do mama told me to always do it daddy told me to always do it grandma told me to always do it so I go to church because they have good coffee in the middle between the services and I like their quiche that they serve and everything I got me a piece back there you know so I go to church because oh I want to see Fred or I want to see Annabelle or I want to see you know go to church because you want to see the Lamb of God go to church because you want to experience the presence of the Lamb of God go to church because you want to worship the Lamb of God you want to take a piece of the Lamb of God with you as you go through the work week you want to take a piece of the Lamb of God with you as you go to your life group you want to worship the Lamb of God because he's good not because of what he's done for you but because of who he is. He's the Lamb of God, and that makes me excited. He filled me with life. He he gives me life and and energy that even when the hardships of life are, are raging on me, I still have hope because the Lamb of God is with me. And I don't have to get him only at 6602 Dominion Drive. I can get him where I live. I can get him where I work. I can get him where I play. Where I'm educated, can even get him behind prison bars. He's the Lamb of God. He has no respect to persons. He'll go wherever the need is. But they take him down to bury him. Jesus didn't even have his own tomb. <laughs> he was buried in a borrowed tomb. You know what that tells me? It tells me that this is just how temporary it is. Why spend money on your own tomb? When you know you ain't going to be there long. <laughs> you borrow someone's, right? <laughs> Joseph's tomb. He buried in there. Three days, three nights, we know the story. The first day of the week, Mary and the women were Preparing spices and um, things to go and anoint the body of Jesus. They get up early. They go to the tomb. And as they go to the tomb, they're looking and say, well, you know what? (laughs) One detail we left out, girls. Well, what would that be? Who's going to roll away the stone? We prepared all this stuff. You know, all these things to go anoint the body, but who's going to roll away the stone? Remember, they put the stone there so that no one would go in and steal the body of Jesus and make up this story. Said, Oh, he rose, he rose, he rose. We told you he was going to rise. So they put the stone there to keep him out. Well, they put the stone there to keep people going in, but they didn't realize that really what they should have tried to be doing was trying to keep Jesus in. <laughs> I think about the. <laughs> The lion, the lion King story, the little, uh, and the names, I don't know, but the little thing that was running said, let me in, let me in. And the other one said, no, let me out, let me out. Sometimes you don't want to get in where somebody's trying to get out. They rolled the stone, the stone there to keep Jesus, to keep the body in place. Little did they know that Jesus was going to get himself up. On the third day he was going to get himself up. And the angels came and they took care of of rolling the stone away. Now, this is a lesson for us because many times in life we make plans. We make plans and we go about those plans, but sometimes we leave out important details. Or sometimes we make those plans and we don't have all the details. We don't have all the answers to how. All we know is that there's a passion, there's something in you or there's something in us that's driving us to do something. But we don't know how we're going to accomplish it because we don't have all of the answers to it. Have you ever been there? Something that was just burning like a fire in you. You wanted to do it, but you didn't have all the resources to do it. And as you began to do it, you said, oh, how am I going to? X, how am I going to Y? How am I going to meet this? How am I going to meet that? Well, little do you know, when you are stressing over the little things, when you are stressing over how I'm going to make it happen, how I'm going to make it done, the Lord has already sent his angels ahead of you and have already rolled away your obstacle, has already rolled away your stone so that you will be able to accomplish what you can accomplish. Stop stressing over things that you can't change and trust in the Lord who can change it. Your stone is just an obstacle. It's just in the way, but the Lord can roll it away. He can send the angels before you, just like he did here for Mary and the women. He sent an angel, and the angel rolled a stone. And when they got to the tomb, they didn't see the body. They looked inside. As though they were surprised and didn't see the body of Jesus. Well, like, duh, didn't he tell you he was going to get up? So why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for one who told you, I'm getting up? Why are you looking for trouble when the Lord said, I have already given you the victory? Why are you looking for defeat when God has already told you, I'm going to bless you to be an overcomer? Don't look for something alive among something that's dead. Jesus got up 40 days. He walked among them, speaking to them, burning words that would just pierce their hearts. Some recognized and some didn't. Then Jesus had to go through Thomas's ordeal. What's with Thomas? Well, we are Thomas's too, aren't we? Let's not pretend like old Thomas is just a strange man. I don't understand why Thomas, come on, some of us were just Thomas' this morning, last night. Amen. So, Thomas said, listen, all oh, y'all getting excited about Jesus, he, he rose, he said, that's fine. He said, but I'm not going to believe it unless I see the marks and I can feel the marks in his hands and press my hands. And Jesus said, all right, Thomas. You want to do that? Here you go. We are, we are like that. We want to say, Lord, show me, <clears throat> and I'll believe it. Show me, Lord. We think that's a good prayer. Lord, if you show me, woo, I will believe it. Amen in Jesus' name. And the Lord comes back to you and says, no, I want you to believe it, and then I'll show you. hmm Oh, it's easy for him to show me. And then say, oh, yeah, I believe that. But for me to not believe it and um, for me to believe it, which is going to then bring him to show it's a little more challenging for us because we like to live by our eyes and our ears, what we see and what we hear. So Jesus showed him and Thomas said, okay, yes. And Jesus said, well, blessed are you who, be- who see and believe. He said, but blessed are those who don't see and believe that the Lamb of God is able, is capable. To do what he said he would do. The Lamb of God will not let you down. The Lamb of God will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. So he got up and now he's going about. He ascends to the Father. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 1. He said, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, right? Reasonable service. So as I close here, the living sacrifice, as Jesus gave his life, the Lamb of God was a living sacrifice. You don't bring a dead sacrifice. You bring a living sacrifice. Something that's dead to you means it, it, it's dead. You bring something living. You bring something that still has, has power in you or power with you, something that still, you, you can still feel its effect, that you're going to miss it once it's gone. You don't bring something, you know, like, like they say, you know, don't donate to, to, to places like that, That you know, Goodwill. You know, ooh, I never wear this. I'm giving it to somebody else. You, you know, donate something to say, oh, I love this, but I'm going to give it to somebody else. It's a sacrifice. It wouldn't be a sacrifice for me to say I'm not going to ever eat prune cobbler again. <laughs> hey, I am done with prune cobbler. I'm fasting on prune cobbler. What a sacrifice. No, because I don't like prune cobbler. It's easy to give up something you don't like. But if I had to fast on peach cobbler, that's a different story because I love peach cobbler. I love my wife's peach cobbler. You know, I, you know and I, if, if some of y'all make it, I'll try it too. But I love <laughs> peach cobbler. So to give that up would be a living sacrifice. Jesus gave up everything he had. He became the Lamb of God, a living sacrifice so that we could live again. Hallelujah. So today I want to challenge you to present a living sacrifice as we pray. As we pray this morning, I want to challenge you. What can you bring as a living sacrifice to the Lord? As the Lamb of God sacrifice his glory, heaven. And I, and I didn't even get to the 17th chapter of John. So if you want to hear about that, you might have to come and stay for 1030 um, service. <laughs> Just a challenge for you. So today I want to pray for you that the Lord will give you the strength to present your living sacrifice to him. And then in that, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to give your life to him. And you want to worship and serve and follow our our Lord and our Savior. I want to pray for us this morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you today. We come before you humbly seeking your face. Seeking your will for our lives. Lord, there are things that you require of us, things that we've held on to, things that we don't want to let go of, and you are asking, you are pleading with us to present it as a living sacrifice, to bring it to you so that you could bless us, fill us with everything that you desire. Show me, Lord, what it is that I can present. As a living sacrifice forgive me Lord for all my sin I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God he died for my sins he rose for my life and by his grace through our faith we are saved and we are followers of Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Amen.